Hello, Crossroads and guests. This is Pastor Lee. We're so glad that you've tuned in to our podcast today. I want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out my blog at pastorlee.org, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope the message today inspires and encourages you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. Hey, uh, as we as we were speaking with uh, Diana and Luis and, and Caitlin, um, Holy Spirit said something to me. Some of you, when you were faced with a choice of abortion, went through with it. And, and so it may have been hard to hear what they did. But I want to remind you that when you accepted Christ, all of that is gone. All of it is gone. There's no guilt. There's nothing. All there is is hope that one day you're going to see a baby you've never seen. And uh, that child will be there to greet you in heaven. And, uh, and it's going to be a beautiful day. Amen? And so I just want to say that. I wanted to talk to you today, uh, uh, beginning in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Everybody say, Saul. We're going to talk about Saul today. And uh, not Saul from the Old Testament, but Saul from the New Testament. And, uh, and I want to give you a little bit of background as you turn. Saul was a Pharisee. Everybody say Pharisee. Pharisee was a religious leader, very versed in the law. Saul understood the law frontward and backward. He knew everything about it. He could quote it. It was all in his brain. He didn't have to think about it. He was a man of the law, a religious person. And so when Jesus came about, Jesus didn't come the way they thought he would come as a Messiah. They were expecting somebody who would come in great power. And and so when he came and he did not lead a rebellion against the Roman Empire, uh, they began to question him. And when he began to do, to, to do miracles, especially on the Sabbath day, they began to question him. And whenever he began to say that we, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, and, and the Father is in me and I am in him, and he claimed to be God, then that was it. They were done with him. And so they crucified him. The crime, the official crime by which he was murdered or, or, or given the death sentence was, was blasphemy, claiming to be God. And so Christ died, and, and you know the story, three days later he rose again, then he was with people for a short period of time, and then went up into heaven. And, and during all this time, there were a lot of discussions that went on around with the religious people. And some Pharisees became followers of Christ. They understood the law, they, they, and they saw Christ, and they saw what was going on, and some of them followed him, but Saul did not. Saul went the other way. And Saul became very violent, and he became, became convinced that if people follow Christ, they would miss God. He didn't want anybody to miss God. He wanted everybody to find God. And so he saw Christ as a hindrance, as a stumbling block to people finding the one true God. He sincerely, truly believed that with passion. And so because of that, he wanted to stomp out Christianity. He wanted to get rid of all Christians. He put him in jail. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death, the first martyr. And, and that's what he wanted. To, he wanted to completely take out Christianity because he believed that it was going to keep people from the one true God. 
And so in Acts chapter 9, we see uh, Saul as he is in the middle of, of his crusade against Christians. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Anytime God says your name twice, you better listen. I'm just telling you. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him away by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I want to ask you this question today. What does it take for God to get your attention? What does he have to do to wake you up? How far does he have to go to get us to open our eyes and see things differently? The different things that go on in our life are, are, are there for a reason, and, and the Lord doesn't want to harm anybody. The Lord doesn't want to see anybody suffer, yet at the same time, sometimes we are very prideful. Can I get an Amen. We are very prideful. Turn to somebody and say, you know he's talking about you. What does it take to get your attention? And, and here's the thing. Saul was, was so wrapped up in, in, in believing that he knew who he was, that he was right, that he was right. You know, what, you know somebody who always thinks they're right? You ever know somebody who even knew when they were wrong pretended to be right? Is that somebody? Never mind. Never mind. He was so convinced he was right that he became prideful. I, I want you to understand a few things about pride today. Pride will make you dumb. Amen? Can y'all hear me okay? I'm not hearing anything back here. You hear me? Pride will make you ignorant. It'll make you dumb. It'll make you stupid. It'll make you all the words that preachers are not supposed to say. It will. Because you are so convinced you are right. You're so convinced that, that no matter what you see, no matter what anybody says, that you are right. And, and I have been so prideful in my life, I have done, done dumb things. I got one amen. There's one person that understands. Pride will, it makes you ignorant. It's not that I know the difference and don't do it. It's that I don't even know the difference. I'm so lost in my thoughts that I'm right and you're wrong that I can't hear what you say. I can't see anything different. I don't understand any other options. I'm right. You're wrong. The whole world's wrong. And that's it. Pride will make you ignorant. Pride keeps you going in the wrong direction in your life. Whether we're talking about the direction your relationships, the direction your job, direction your family, direction with the Lord. When you become prideful, you go the wrong direction. Amen? Here, here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. You see, that's the thing about pride is pride feels right. 
It feels like, well, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. I'm right. You're wrong. Why would I want to be wrong? Why would I want to? You are so wrong, and I don't want to be wrong. So I'm going to do what I want to. And it'll cause me to go down the wrong direction because I'm not listening to anybody. I don't care what anybody says. And so I'm going to go the wrong direction just because it says that. If you look in the King James, this, this phrase right here, it, said, it means to be exceedingly mad. Not angry, crazy. Some of y'all are getting what I'm saying. Pride will make you crazy. Pride will make crazy look good. Now, y'all know we've all done things that look good, and we look back and say, well, that was crazy. We've all dated people, and we thought, well, they look good. And then 10 years later, we say, I must have been out of my mind to even think about that person. Just crazy. Pride makes you look at something that is absolutely wrong and you think it's right, you think it's good, it's crazy, and you think it's the smartest thing in the world. I, I, I tell the story how I, I, I traded in a car that I had six months to pay for another car so I could save 30 bucks a month. But I went from six months of payments to 60 months in payments. Yeah, I hear you. See, pray about that. <laughs> the Lord struck him blind. Now, we read in the scripture and we see he was blind for three days. But Saul didn't know how long he was going to be blind. He just knew he was blind. As far as he knew, it was going to be like that forever. He, he, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't have the, the, the benefit that we do to look back. He, he, just, he just, now, why couldn't God just say, Saul, wake up? Just wake up. Why, why can't God just show up in your life and you hear one sermon and you think, well, I heard that, I'm going to change everything. Why is it that we got to hear the same thing over and over and over and over again before it finally clicks? How far does God have to go to get your attention? And, and so here we have Saul, and, and, and this is going on, and I think to myself, you know, if, if I were walking down the street... And suddenly a big light showed up, and I hear a voice from heaven calling my name twice. I'm done. Whatever the voice says, I'm doing it. The voice says, you know, never eat bluebell again. I'm done. Done. The voice tells me to, to play in the street. I'm playing. I don't care what it is. And, but God says, that's not enough. It's not enough. It. How many things have you gone through that God is trying to say, I'm putting you through this to wake you up, and then it's not enough? I, I, I let that thing happen. I let that crisis happen. I let it all fall apart just to get you to wake up, but it wasn't enough. I, I've said it over and over and over again. You've heard it in, in sermons. You've heard it in music. You've heard it from your aunt. you heard it from your uncle. heard it from your, 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 your grandparents. You've heard it everywhere, and still you don't listen. And so God says, well, let me think of something else I got to do. And so for Saul, it wasn't enough. It wasn't, can you imagine? It wasn't enough for a light to shine up and for a, a voice from heaven to say, listen. In one place in the scripture, they, they, they told Jesus, just show us a sign. Just show us a sign and we'll follow you. And he said, there have been signs since the beginning of time and you killed the ones who did it. The very people that I did miracles through, the prophets, you killed them. 
And, and, and you got to think, what is in my sinful nature? What is in the human heart that I am so stubborn that God's got to hit me and hit me and hit me and hit me? And what have I not changed to? What am I missing out? Because I hadn't figured out what he's telling me. What does it take for the Lord to get your attention? Well, one thing, we don't listen. Amen? Turn to somebody next to you and say, you didn't hear that because you weren't listening. We don't listen. And in, uh, in Lubbock, when I was in Lubbock, the, the church had died. And so everybody who came to the church was new. We didn't know anybody. When we got there, it was my family and, and uh, four other people. And so one day we, we got there and this man came up and, and after service he, he said, uh, Pastor, next Sunday I need to preach. And I, I said, okay. And uh, I said, why? He said, well, I'm a prophet. Really? I don't even know who you are. And you want to preach in my church next week. Yeah, I'm going to preach because I'm a prophet. God's anointed me, and he's done all kinds of I, I said, but you, you expect me to believe that you're a prophet because you tell me you're a prophet? Because my Bible says that if you're a prophet, then whatever you predict will come true. Why don't you predict something and let's wait? Tell me the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl, and let's wait and see when it happens. Okay, when it happens, I'll call you back. I'll give you a microphone then. It, it, it. <laughs> See, the, the Bible doesn't say that because I say I'm a prophet, I am a prophet. The Bible says that, that if you glorify God and if you predict what is going to happen and it happens to the glory of God, then you're a prophet. I can't just walk around. I can walk around all day and tell you I got a full head of hair. That wasn't that funny. It doesn't make it true because I say it. Amen. The, the, the Bible says that, that we have to test and approve God's will. We got to test it. See, pride keeps you from testing anything. You're so sure that you're right that you don't look around and say, well, what if I'm not? What if I'm not? And the Lord's shining a big light in your face, and, and, and he's calling your name out not one time but twice, saying you're not right. And we say, you don't know what you're talking about, God. I know I'm right. And, and, and so we're supposed to test and approve what God's will is. We, you can't sit here and say, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to handle this situation. I know I'm supposed to take this job. I know I'm supposed to get married to this woman. I know that I'm doing this. I know, I know, I know. And never say, God, what do you say? You see, you have to test it. You can't just go out and say, well, this is what God wants me to do. I had a man in counseling one time, and, and he said, can I speak to you alone? I said, sure. His wife walked out. He said, listen, Pastor, God has told me this woman is not for me. I said, how do you know that? Because I don't like her anymore. <laughs> that hit a chord, didn't it? I said, has she cheated on you? No. You just don't like her? No. You should know. I said, well, my Bible says that unless you cheated on you, then you're supposed to be with her, whether you like her or not. Whether you like her or not. 
You see, there's some things that, that are God's will, whether you like it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether it feels good or not. Amen. I, I remember one time we were going to see my, my folks, and, and so way up in West Texas, so we would get on I-10 and go out. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about, I-10. And so uh, when, when, when I drive, then Amy sleeps. So she's sleeping, and I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be in good time. I'm just driving, driving. <clears throat> she wakes up, she looks around. Where are we? And all of a sudden, I look around and say, I don't know where we are. I haven't seen, I've never seen these things before. We're going through towns I've never been through. It's before GPS. We don't know where we're at. And she looks at the time and says, well, you, you should have turned about an hour ago. You see, when you think you know what you're doing... You will do things that don't make any sense. And, and, and I was, I, it never occurred to me, look around. I mean, I had driven through three towns that I had never been in. It never occurred to me, maybe you missed a turn. <laughs> maybe you missed a turn. It, it, it is something, if you're going to test it, you got to look around. you got to say, is this what's right? Saul was doing exactly what he thought was right, but he never stopped to say, is it? Some of us are going a certain direction in our life and handling situations in a certain way because we think we are absolutely right. And so we feel justified to tell you that you're wrong, to, to condemn you for what you're doing, to just keep on going, even if we're hurting because we're convinced we're right. And we've never said, Lord, am I? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this really the direction that I'm going? And we're going down the wrong road in life because we are so lost in our pride. Because we're so convinced that we're right. And never have we got into the word. And everybody said, well, what does the word say? What does the Bible say? What, what does the Holy Spirit say? We don't, the, the, the scripture says that a wise man seeks godly counsel. Now, my brain says if I'm wise, I don't need no counsel. I got it all figured out. But the Bible says even when you're wise, you still need In fact, the fact that you go to counseling and ask somebody, what do you think? You go to a godly man, a godly woman, say, what do you think? That makes you wise. Amen? <laughs> if you want to find the right direction in your life, you have to stop living by your emotions. Just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. In fact, a lot of times it feels right because it's not, because it's sinful, it's unjust, it's not right. Amen? Now, I want you to think about this. The Scripture says that Jesus is the light. Everybody say light. Light is something good. It drives away darkness. It's a good thing. And I want you to see here that God uses a good thing to inflict suffering. Amen. Did y'all hear that one? God used something good to inflict suffering. We just heard the story of the Akira's. God used something that was very difficult and yet very good to help, and, and it drove them through this time of suffering in order that their faith would increase. And so we have to understand that sometimes when something bad happens, it's good. See, one of the reasons that we go down the wrong road is because we assume that all suffering is from the devil. Well, the devil did it. 
That's the devil. Now listen, the scripture says that all hardship should be endured as discipline. Amen? Discipline. And you got to love discipline. Say, praise the Lord for discipline. Praise God I'm suffering. Amen? But what we do is we say, well, it's the devil. The devil. Now, all, all, all suffering is, is for discipline, but sometimes the pain you're going through is to teach you how to reject the devil. And sometimes the pain you go through is for the Lord to reject something in you. Amen? Somebody tells you the truth in love, your breath smells. I love you, but take a mint, please. Please. For the love of God. Get some Listerine, brother. The Bible says that the wound from a friend is better than a kiss from the enemy. But what feels better? The wound or the kiss? See, when I get all wrapped up in my emotions, then when I hurt, I lash out. But if I can say it's not about what I feel, then when I hurt, I can say, Lord, what is the purpose of the pain? What are you, what are you trying to do in me? There's some things that we go through, and it's not because the, the devil's run loose. It's because God's trying to say, your breath stinks. Trying to say, you, you're too prideful. Trying to say, you're holding on to a grudge. You're too easily offended. The Bible says, love is not easily angered. And so he may be saying, you get angry too easy. You don't know how to love. He might be saying, I, I know you haven't had an affair, but you're a little too emotionally connected to that woman at work. And he will let something bad happen to wake you up, and it's a big light. And the question is, how far will he have to go to get you to change directions? You hear what I'm saying? The scripture said, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, endure hardship and discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone goes, undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for him. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Amen? I know when I was whooping my kids, they weren't happy about it. Amen? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We get so mad at the devil, and we never say, Lord, are you trying to teach me something? You're trying to help me? You're trying to refine me? And all we're doing, we're mad. Well, she left again. There she goes. Always leaving. I don't even want her to come back because she'll leave again. Maybe she's not leaving because the devil's after you. Maybe she's leaving because your breath stinks. Maybe she's leaving because there's something in you that's not good. Maybe God's trying to say, I'm trying to wake you up. You're too angry. You're too harsh. You're too bitter. You're, you're too selfish. Whatever it is. Maybe God's trying to wake you up, and all you can do is be mad at her. It's not about her. It's about you. It's about me. 
Amen? Some, some pain is there to teach us how to fight the devil, and some pain is to teach us how to fight us. Are y'all with me? The Lord struck his eyes. Why his eyes? Why did he make him go blind? Here, here's what the scripture said, what Paul said later in Acts 22. It says, then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city, I stuttered under Gamaliel, and I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. He was so focused on the law that he missed the prophecy. He knew prophecy. The scripture says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The scripture said that the Messiah would grow up in Nazareth. It said that he would come out of Egypt. All of these were true. It, it said that he would die a horrible death. Now, the other Pharisees heard this. They asked questions. There were some who made up their mind. I know what the law says, but I also know prophecy. This guy is the Messiah. But Paul was so laser focused on one thing that he couldn't see everything else. If you want to change the direction of your life, you got to change your focus. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? There's so many things that God wants to do in us, but we get focused on the wrong things. We're mad at who did it. We're mad because it's happening. We're depressed because we don't feel good. We don't like feeling unpleasant. All the while, God is trying to say, I'm trying to get you to look at something different so I can get you past this and you never come back again. Amen. Are y'all with me? Some, sometimes we get such a narrow focus. We, we, we say, okay, Lord, you said you would make me, uh, you, would, you would give me the desires of my heart. My desire is a brand new Corvette. Praise the Lord. I will use it for ministry every day. I'll put a fish on it, and as I'm zooming by everybody, I'll say, praise God. And what we do is we say, okay, Lord, I know what your promise is, but let me tell you how to fulfill it. You promised me that you would give me a life to the full, and I'm going to tell you the way you do it is through that woman right there. And then what do you do when she leaves? Or we say, Lord, you promised that you give me a life to the full, so I want this job with this salary, and I want it today. And what do you do when they give it to somebody else? Lord, you said that, that you would give me life to the full, so I want a church that builds me up and never says anything bad. And, and what do you do when somebody speaks the truth and love to you? Amen? I've, I, I, you know, over, over the years, we've had people say, Lord, uh, Pastor, I, I want to be on the praise team. And I'll say, well, can you sing? Well, what does that matter? Oh. Make a joyful noise, what the Bible says. I said it does. It also said there's a, a time for a joyful noise and time for skilled musicians. So can you sing? Because if you don't sing good, we're not going to give you a microphone. Amen? That's why, that's why they turn my. Have you noticed they turn mine off when I'm here? You see, we, we, ha we, we get in this thing where we say, okay, Lord, you said you would do this. Here's how you must do it. And then when it doesn't happen, we get angry because we're so prideful. We say, well, if you would just do this, 
If you would just bring her back home, if you would just bring him back, if you would just give me a job, if you would just help me with this, if you'll just do this one thing, then I will be happy. And God says, I'm God, you're not. So what you don't know is if I gave you that woman, she's going to drive you crazy anyway. And if I gave you that job, you're going to get fired in six months anyway. And if I help you get a raise, you're just going to use it and go out and drink more. And, and, and if I did what you want me to do, it would corrupt your heart and it would not turn out well. So I got to withhold it for a little while to get you ready. So when I bless you, you can enjoy it. Amen. But we get so wrapped up. Well, this is the way. This is the way it's got to be. And if you don't do it this way, then I'm mad. We can't limit how God does things. There was a time when, when Jesus came in uh, during Palm Sunday, and everybody was shouting, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees went to him, and they said, you need to shut them up because you know you're not the Messiah. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if they don't cry out, the rocks will. Did you hear that? If they don't cry out, the rocks will. In other words, I am to be praised. If it doesn't happen this way, I'll make it happen another. If they don't praise me, I'll put a mouth and a tongue on that rock, and that rock will sing hallelujah. In tune. God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, anyhow he wants, through whom he wants, whether you agree with it or not. And what happens is when things fall apart, we feel like life is hopeless. I got a divorce. Life's over. We stay in the depression. I lost my job. And the Lord is saying, do you have to have a job for me to feed you? Do you, do you really have to have a job? Because there's a lot of people that have, have medical conditions and they can't get up and work and yet they're fed every day. Do you have to have that man or that woman to be happy? Because I got some really good ones over here, but you're so, so set on that one. If I brought these over here, you wouldn't even look at them. And, 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 and we get, Lord, I, I need you to do it this way. And we get so narrowly focused that, and prideful because we think this is how God should do it. And when he doesn't do it that way, we lose all hope and we go down the wrong road. Now, here's what I want you to see. He still went to Damascus. But instead of going to destroy Christians... He became one. And, and the Lord made him blind, and, and he said, you sit and you wait until I can bring somebody to you. Pride will keep you isolated in the wrong direction. You'll find yourself alone. You'll find yourself alone. But when we humble ourselves... It ushers in wisdom. And wisdom comes from the Lord, and the Lord works through the body. And we need people. The Bible says that he was blinded, so he couldn't go, so they had to lead him by the hand. 
And they led him into Damascus, and another man came and, and healed his eyesight. This whole thing, this, this painful, ugly, horrific moment of thinking he was going to be blind was just to get him to see but a little different way what what are you going through today and God's trying to say I'm just trying to get you to look at it different I'm just trying to get you to go a different way the way you've been handling it you're just going down the wrong road I said it to you I wrote it down I had the bald man say it I had the bearded man say it. You've heard it on K-Love. You've heard it everywhere, and you're still going down the wrong road. So, I put you in the valley of darkness. To get you to see, if you don't start doing it the right way, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Amen? And... We can't turn things around because pride is natural. That's who we are. So the Lord will bring us to a place. And then he says, I'm going to send you. So Ananias came and Ananias was full of the Holy Spirit and he touched him and he could see and the Holy Spirit came on him. We need a fresh touch from God to change directions. If we could have done it on our own, we would have done it a long time ago. I remember I was already an adult and, and I thought my life had been perfect. Everything was perfect. Perfect childhood, perfect everything, perfect everything. And then I began to realize, well, not everything was perfect. It was certainly better than a lot of folks. Had parents that loved me, had a home, but it wasn't perfect. But even as I began to see how some of the issues were affecting me, I just kept doing the same stuff. I never changed. And then I began to see how it was affecting my wife. I began to see how it was affecting my, my child. And the Lord blinded me and said, where you think you're going, you're not going. You got to see it different. And I needed a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand up with me for a minute and let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we know there, there, are, there are people here today or that you have allowed them to suffer. turn them around you're allowing them to go through some of the most difficult days to get them to see things your way but Lord it's not possible unless you touch us so I pray right now Lord that you would do that hey I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today if you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.